Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to It's Everything with me, your hostess, B.B. Sweetbriar. We are here to bring you everything, every time for everybody. We are the Sunday weekly segment of the Meow, the Meow, the Meow, the Michelle Meow Show. <laughs> and I, 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 you guys, I've been ripping and roaring and going. I, I, you, as many of you know, I've been to Hong Kong um, to perform. I was I came back. I immediately after two days of being back on the states went to Los Angeles for the weekend, and I literally just got back this morning as we are <laughs> doing this show. Okay, so you're talking about somebody who's probably jet lagged, ray lagged, woo lagged, all the lag I, I I am in. But we're here because I never miss a show. I try never to miss a show. Um, and I have to see, you know, Kenny keeps me in check. My producer, Kenny here, always keeping me in check and keeping me, uh, you know, down on, you know, just real. Just, keep, you know, BB, you can do it. You can do it. So I'm here and we're doing a show. And plus, I have a wonderful guest today. And, and if I'm not here to do the show, you don't get an opportunity to hear about these wonderful guests and what they're doing and what you need to go check out what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? So that's what we're here today. And I've, I'm just going to start it off. How's that? With what we've got, you know, coming up. I'm not even going to talk about the election today. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to say that for a little bit when, when, you know, it's all settled and dust is gone because we don't want any arguments or any of that kind of stuff. So we'll make, maybe we'll do that next week. Okay. But this week, no election, no who's running the country stuff at this point. Um, but I have two great guests and we're going to start off with a wonderful guest who um, has just put released a, a film of his. Um, that talks about finding the right, basically finding your right love. It's a romantic comedy. However, it was so real I, when I looked at it. It was so real. I, it wasn't. It was. It was funny, but it wasn't funny if you know what I mean. And when you when we talk about it today, and when you get an opportunity to look at it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But the name of the film is "Don't Marry Griff," and we have, or I have, the director and the writer of the film on the line, Stephen Cord. How are you? I'm good, BB. How are you doing? I'm fine. Now, how do you pronounce your last name? Because I don't want to, you know, butcher it throughout this this segment at all. You you said it right. It's cord, like an extension cord. Okay, okay. There we go. It's like an extension. <laughs> Just got a little. Ex- we all, you know how you know how we do sometimes. Put a little extra yeah. letter up in there. We got a little extra vowel. You know, Vanna Vanna White would be extremely upset if you were. The oh, name that we were trying to write, you know, but you've got this new film that you've released. You just recently released it, actually, uh, only a few weeks ago. And um, well, actually, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry to cut you off. It, um, it doesn't release until November 18th. Oh, OK. So I, yeah. ooh, we got you right on the we got you on the cusp of the real yes, deal right are. here. And, <laughs> but I got a chance to look at it. You know, I got I, I um, as you as you probably heard in my intro, I've been flying all over the place. So I've had some downtime on the plane where I can look at this. Uh, look at me. I read some books that I've had. I'm going to have authors on. So I'm like, I've got, I did a lot of research, but I saw yeah. the, the film and I really want to talk to start this off because this is a romantic comedy and it is about yes. kind of searching for your your true love but really kind of owning up to when your true love is right in front of your face because so many times we we let 
the person who we really should be with get away from us for whatever reason. Right. For whatever reason. Um, yours may have, your character that you play, Ly, Lydell, Ly, Lydell mm-hmm. is, um, seems like he's going through some fear, you know, that risk factor of sometimes going into things that are really good on the, you know, this is too good to be true kind of thing. And so I don't want to mess it up by trying to take it a step further. Um, mm-hmm. it, he kind of seemed to be kind of a little bit in that. But when you know you're with someone who's wrong with you, you kind of almost know how to respond to that. You know what I mean? Right. We get used to that knowing is. how to, you know the negative about it. You can respond to that. But you sometimes we don't know how to respond to good things. We don't know how to do it. I think because we don't give ourselves the, I don't think we a lot of times think we're worthy of those special gifts that's right in front of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we and we shortchange ourselves. Um, and I think sometimes when you just open up your eyes and you look right in front of you, you can see that the love that you have been searching for is standing right there in front of you. And right. I've always been there for you. You know, yeah, yeah no, I... I, I totally understand you, and I think all of us can relate to that because I, I'm sure many of us have stories where we say, only if I would have, you know, when you look right. back 10 years ago um, because the relationship you're in didn't make it, then you thought, you know, it didn't, it, it, it was doomed from the beginning, but I should have went with or approached this other person that was really good to me, and I should have taken it further. Now, are you, did you write, you wrote this film. You're also yeah. co-star in the film, um, mm-hmm. and um, did you write this from a point of experience, or did you do it from a point of observation? Well, um, first of all, let me say thank you for having me on the show. I mm-hmm. really appreciate it. Um, I welcome back to the city <laughs> traveling, <Yeah. laughs> and I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, talk to me about my film. Uh, but what I did, I wrote this film. Uh, I was talking to my grandmother because mm-hmm. me and my grandmother like my grandmother raised me and she was just telling me about a lot of stories from the past when she was with my my birth grandfather mm-hmm. and uh, she was telling me about a lot of abuse that she went through mm-hmm. now my grandfather he's deceased so you know he can't really uh, tell his side of the story and there are three sides to every story mm-hmm. so in this situation I had to take my grandmother's word and um you know, not just from her, but I've heard other rumors growing up of stuff that he's done to her. Mm-hmm. But she was, like, very overprotective and tried to shield me from the hurt and just trying to, I guess, seeing my grandfather in a bad image, even though he did all that to her, she still wanted to uh, preserve this really strong guy who loves his family, who's the matriarch of the family. You know, she, she always wanted to shield me from the bad and show me the good. So when I sat down to pen this uh, the story, I was trying to find my lead character, like trying to tell a story that, um, like I, I knew going in I wanted to talk about domestic abuse because I know that it's a really important uh, issue in the heterosexual community. Well, a lot of times people don't know that it exists in the gay community. There as well. you go. So, there you go. We have an yeah. or, we have an organization in here. I, I I really don't know if they're national or not, but here at Quav, which is um, mm-hmm. you know deals with uh, domestic violence in um, both straight and in gay communities, and that's one thing that they I think have a hard time you know, really cementing that in the in the minds of people in the gay community that we do have an issue with domestic um, uh, abuse, um, you know, mental and physical. So, um, right. and it's, it's just as prevalent. And, you, and that's going to happen, honestly speaking, 
without having the right tools to handle conflict in general, you're always mm-hmm. going to have those types of issues, even, whether it be in a boardroom, you know, arguing with someone in a boardroom and getting physical with them or verbally with them is the, is exactly the same as domestic abuse in, in a home. But if you don't have so you go, well, in a work world, I need to have certain tools in order to, to handle conflict. That's what we teach right. human resources to have classes every month for their employees on how to do conflict management. We don't do yeah, that right. in our homes. We don't have oh. those. those. Those should be also a thing that we, we need to learn how to do conflict man- management as a way of life, not just in a way of business. And that, so we're always going to have that. So we're no different. If we have a, a, a couple, we're going to have the same issues as, as, as the uh, heterosexual world. So, okay, right. there's, there's my two cents. No, I agree. And I feel like, plus in like the black community, a lot of it, not just in the black community, but the Spanish community too, a lot of it is just swept under the rug, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're just uh, automatically taught as a kid, like, be a strong man, you mm-hmm. know, uh, don't show emotion. So a lot of times when we go through this stuff, we, we just suppress it. So I wanted to take this opportunity because my... My core is uh, the gay black audience, and I wanted to tell a story that could be fun because my, my specialty is comedy. Like, I am really good at it, and I wanted to make a film that was serious but also gives you that those moments when you watch it, you're like, oh, my God, should I be laughing right now? Right. Uh, and those... <laughs> Did you find yourself doing that when you? Were I did because it's the yeah. way it's the it's the it's the it's the vocabulary that you use because it's real. People out there, it's real. This isn't like one of those, um, I don't know, like uh, P- you no PC going on here. This is like it's a believable conversations that you have. Like I could I could see my friends. I could see me having these conversations. They're, they're, you, the dialogue is real. So we know, you know how you've listened to your friends talk, and they're talking something yeah. serious, but it's the way they say it, and you want to laugh because they talk yeah. about it that way. You know, And I got that from that. I was like... I just I just wanted to bust up and I'm like oh they're really talking about something serious but he but it is like when when they're arguing when he when when you uh, who play Lydell and your your friend uh, Sutton are talking back and forth and kind of arguing and but it's like that's what best friends do and they call each other out and you want to laugh uh, about it. <laughs> yeah. But well, you know. I'm glad you got that. Yeah, I did. I totally got that. I totally and it, and that's what makes it kind of easier to watch. It makes it easier to watch when you are talking about serious issues, which you are, like you said, domestic abuse, and you're you and you show it. You show the abuse and how it escalates, and you show that. And sometimes that's hard for people to watch, particularly if what you're saying mirrors what they're going through. So I think sometimes when you put mm-hmm. a little bit of comedy on there, it gives them an opportunity to kind of like, okay, take a deep breath, laugh a little bit about it, and continue to watch. And hopefully right. you get something out of it that may help you, you know, help them on, on yeah. that. But um, mm-hmm. but, but what I really liked to how you did this or how you laid out the narrative part of it with kind of almost like, 
they do in a lot of reality shows where you see the rea- <laughs> reality part, and then they then they then they um, you know uh, cut away, and then you see the person like almost like are they in a soundproof booth or whatever, but they're speaking about what just happened on the, on 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 the uh, on the show. You know, they're looking at it, it's like, well, you know, I was just talking, and I was, just, and you have that kind of moments with all three of the main characters um, on there with Griff and Sutton and yourself, Lydell, um, on there, and I like how you did that. Because then I think as a viewer, we have an opportunity to really separate each character and see where they're coming from, particularly with Griff, because he's pretty delusional. (laughs) Um, No, because he's he's so angry, but he's so angry and, 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 and mean in in the action part of it. But it's so funny because when he's isolated, you can see where he, where your character fell for the charm because he's so soft spoken, you know, and mm-hmm. you know I was just so really, handsome. Yeah, I was just trying to walk into a situation where I thought the young man, was, you know, all of that, and you're like, oh, he's so, he's so nice. So you, so nice. <laughs> I loved how you did that because it allowed us to see that without all the other action going on. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. You know. Uh, I get that from Robert Townsend because I love his work, mm-hmm. like uh, in Jackie's Back. Mm-hmm. I love that film. Mm-hmm. So I said, whenever I make films, I want to have my characters speak to the viewers. I want there the viewers go. to connect to them in a certain way that they feel like, oh my God, this could be my cousin or this could be my brother. Exactly. So exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, we gonna, we're going to have to take a quick break because, you know, um, it's expensive to do a radio show. I'm just people don't know. Yeah. That, I, I gotta, I gotta raise some coin, and so we're gonna take a, <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break and do a, uh, some commercial breaks, and then we'll be back uh, with Stephen Cord, and we're gonna continue to talk about his new film that will be out on November 18th. Don't marry Griff. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care. Serving your community.
Okay, okay, okay. We are back. And thank you out there for staying with us. I always enjoy that. I know you are because I know you're staying out there and you're listening to the interesting uh, conversations that we have on the show with our wonderful guests. And I know today is no different than our norm um, because I have a wonderful film director and a screenwriter on the line with uh, Stephen Cord, who will be releasing his, his film, Don't Marry Griff, on November 18th. Is that correct? That is correct. Now, it, now, is it being released as a um, online type of film, or will this be something that will eventually um, go to? Uh, do we have DVDs anymore? What do we, how are we watching? <laughs> no, that? Blu-ray or something, or or the theater? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sometimes because I'm old, so I gotta. You know, I've been through a series of transformations when it comes to how we watch our media. So. Um, I just want to, you know, I don't think we do a lot of, I mean, there are DVDs out there, but I don't think a lot of people watch that kind of form. I don't know. Do people? I give them away a lot, I mean, but I don't know. So how, anyway, Redbox. well, we talked about your film. How, how's it being released? Yeah. So um, right now, this film is the first of a trilogy. So the first one I'm releasing through my website through my video streaming site. Uh, you can go to colorofloveproduction.com and uh, you can you can be directed to the film. I have the links there on my website. Okay. And hopefully for the second one and the third one, I'm trying to get a theater uh, release. So fingers crossed I'm working with some Well, if you got a premiere coming up, you better let me know. Now, where, where, where are you based out of, Los Angeles? No, I wish. I am in Jersey City, New Jersey. Oh, okay. And I'm I'm out on the East Coast quite a bit actually. It's kinda it's kind of becoming my um my second uh domain. I really I really love it out there. Um so you're yeah. in Jersey City. So are you planning on having a, a, a premiere in a a venue of some sort? So Not we just had a screen, screening. Uh, uh with my with my projects I just like to keep uh a screening for just the cast and the crew, yeah. and then I release it to everyone else. Mm -hmm. uh, so we just had that this Saturday, and, oh, okay. uh, you know, I'm doing the, the press now, and then next week I will release it to the public. There we go. There we go. Now, we were talking about how you, you know, you liked, or you, when you're making films, you wanted to do the part where you kind of have the main characters at some point in, in the uh, the production to speak directly to the audience, which you do in this with your main characters. And mm -hmm. um, and we do, and I think it gives us an opportunity to see how the situation got to it, you know, whether it be right. your character who's just being blind to so many <laughs> things and not loving himself, basically, but being very blind to things, um, um that are right there in front of him that he can change that, that are the good things are right there in front of him, but he's blind to even the bad things. So, you know, he's making excuses for Griff's behavior. Um, but at the same time, he's pointing out everything he knows it's bad, but he's, Right. But then he'll follow up that bad comment. Oh, well, you know, you just want to da 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 da. Oh, but you know, I know how it is. Your mama like that too. You know what I mean? It's like, right, right. you know, yeah, yeah, you know, well, you probably get it from your mama, and I understand that because I don't like her, you know. <laughs> and so, yeah, so you make an excuse for the for the for his behavior, which is is not good. But you said this is a part of a trilogy, and I know that the way it, the film ends does leave you to thinking, oh, my God, what happened? What happened? Mm -hmm. There's a cliffhanger. Right. What happened? 
that. So there's a oh, cliffhanger yeah. to this, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to... A lot of trauma. Yeah. And you're going to be like, okay, and it ends. And so I, <laughs> so these trilogies will be interlocked in some way? Yes. Okay. Yes. So um, back to how I wanted the characters to talk to the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a theater major as well, so... I kind of wanted to put that theater style, you know, when you do a monologue and you talk to the uh, the audience. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to blend that into my theater, into my film. So it's like a mixture of theater with um, live theater mixed with video. Okay. And um, that's how I that's how I tried to create my stories. Um, as far as the trilogy, um, I think in the first one you get the introduction to the character. Um, I think for Lyabelle, uh, I think when someone is so consumed with the idea of finding love, I think they're just willing to settle for anything. Um, I don't necessarily say, I can't say that he doesn't love himself, and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I want each person to have their own takeaway from film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, from my perspective, I think Lyabelle just wants to... I think he want, he believes in the happy ending. Mm-hmm. And I think with Chris, he gives him that verbal happy ending, but I think he he excuses the, the beat downs <laughs> just so he can have that happy ending. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he I don't know if he actually I don't know if he necessarily uh dislikes it. Well I I I just I say that because to me I mean, this is my own, like I said, this is my own, I am not Oprah. I am not, okay. um, I, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I, I, I am not Dr. Phil. I am none of that. But yeah. <laughs> I just have a, I said that he doesn't love himself because anybody who allows another person to take away your self-respect, to take away, um, because that's what happens when you allow someone to hurt you. Um, and I know that's simplistic in saying, I mean, that's a whole nother show for us to break that down because some people are in situations where they feel they have no choice, but I don't believe that, but I know, I know that exists and I know that's a reality and I, 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 um, I'm validating that. I know people see that I have no choice to be in this situation and I'm validating that that's a real, a real feeling and a real, um, uh, thought about their situation, but. When you do allow people to harm you and when you do allow people to take away your self-respect and when you, your self-esteem and do that, it is a love yourself issue. Because you, when you love yourself, you don't let those things happen. You don't let your dreams be crushed. You don't, you don't let somebody else form your reality. And that's what Griff is doing for him. He's, he's, he's allowing Griff to form his reality to be that this is okay, to get your happy. He's letting him form what the happy ending is. In reality, his happy ending should be with this other person who cares deeply for him and, and does just the opposite, would actually do other harm to other people to protect this man, even though that's not right either. But, you know, you, if you had a choice, what would you want? You know what I mean? He doesn't love himself or, you know, basically he's trying to go for this happy ending. He, has this, right. he, he wants to say it's happy. But I just overall, you know, getting back, I just overall think that anyone who allows someone to, to hurt them or to take away their self-respect or um, make them feel 
lesser than in certain ways, you know. And, and, and in a way, he, Griff does make him, you know, he talks about his speech. He talks about his family, where he came from. You know, he wants to rewrite the vows because, you know, <laughs> what, what, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's demeaning of the other person. And when you allow that to happen, it is up to me. Like I said, I ain't no Dr. Phil. I am not Oprah. Right, right. But I just feel to me that is an a, a issue with you feeling your own self-worth and loving who you are. There are parts I know in the dialogue where he does say to Griff that you need, why can't you accept me for who I am the way I accept you the way you are? I, he does say that. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as his actions, you know, even in your little, you know, I'm not going to spoil the film for people, but even in your your area where you show him with his best friend and, you know, that moment right before he's getting ready to get married and they're having their moment that, you know, he still succumb. I mean, he's just experienced. You understand me? He's experienced his happy ending right in front of him. And he still is going to go through with the wedding. That's true. And I get where you're coming from with that. And I appreciate that you <laughs> are bringing this up because I want to have those. We got, this, we got this, is, this needs to be a university course. This, is, this needs to be. Oh, I love it. This needs to be <laughs> Don't Marry Griff 101A because this really does. And you're right. It, it, because you did exactly what you wanted to do with us getting to see each individual character speak to the audience, it get, it opens up for that dissecting and 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 covering all these different possibilities and these different you know character flaws and these all of that. And, you know, I really right. I that's what really grasped me with this film was the ability to see a scene come out and then immediately have a character kind of talk about it or talk about what they right. were doing and why they said what they said to this person. And he's like, oh, okay, I got it. I got where they're coming from. Or, you know, and, and the, or, or the dialogue that, or that segment would precede what was coming up, you know? So I really liked how you did that. And, um, Thank you. and it keeps it, it, and some people might think that doing that makes it longer, but to me, it kept the film tight because right. yeah, certain things that you didn't have to show because it was in that, in that monologue, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, I am. I'm so glad. <laughs> you, I'm, I'm good. Person. I'm good, huh? Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm good. I'm just kidding. Um, That's no, this the is, thing I wanted to portray, and you got it. Yeah. No, this is really good. Now, have you already shot the other two films that are part of this trilogy, or that's also coming? So we didn't uh, film it yet. Uh, I'm waiting until the new year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to wait until maybe like February and mm -hmm. then I want to get back into it. Mm -hmm. uh, when we film it this time, instead of doing one, uh, one film, I want to do both two and three. And then I want to uh, at least have them. So that way, when I finish with two, I can put out three. Kind of like how The Lord of the Rings was filmed. That's how The Lord of the Rings went. They, I think they actually did all yeah. three of them at the same time. But, um, yeah, I like that. And that's like economy of scales, too. Kind of saves on the budget a little bit. So I, I get mm -hmm. you. you know. And then you don't have that problem if somebody, you know, drops out or whatever. It's like, well, we, got you right. we already got you going to film, boo. We don't need you. Right. Um, <laughs> we already got the contract fine. <laughs> we already got you. Uh, well, I'm just really happy um, that you're putting that now. Again, 
your website where we'll be able to find the film um, link on November 18th is what again? Color. So it's Color of Love. Color of Love Productions. Dot com. Uh-huh. Okay. Dot com. And um, that's where you'll be able to go to, ladies and gentlemen, to find um, a Stephen's film. Uh, Don't marry Griff. Very well done. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Oh. I really appreciate you taking. And I'll time. be looking and for my future invites to. You yes, know, absolutely. Premiere. And I'm coming to the Bay Area soon, so oh, hopefully yeah. I can meet you in person. Oh, oh, definitely. I would be. I would. I, it would be a privilege to meet you in person, and oh. you know, to further talk about this uh, film. Yes. Okay. And if you have another video, like I want you back. Oh, look at you! Oh, look at you! Oh, I'm looking yeah. up my stuff going on there. I'm trying a media to... fan. Yeah. I watch that and I watch Don't You. Oh, look, okay. See, see, this Hello. Look. see you, I don't know. I just, I just don't research you. You have to research me. I, I enjoy that, you know? I enjoy hey, I'm a fan. Okay. I love you. <laughs> well, thank you, Stephen. And um, again, everybody, go to Color of Color of Love Productions dot com, and you will find. And you have to wait till November eighteenth, y'all. Um, you will find Don't Marry Griff. Now we are going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we we are giving it to you today. We are giving you this wonderful film and this director and writer. Now we are going to go into the hip hop world and give you one of the top queer rappers out there um, with Q Boy. So we'll be right back after this message. Hi, I'm Chuck Spence. I'm the owner of the Maui Sunseeker LGBT Resort, and I'm also vice president of Maui Pride. It's not just the only LGBT resort in Maui, it's the only LGBT resort in all of Hawaii, which is really kind of amazing. Maui Sunseeker actually started years and years before I even got involved. I came along as one of the owners a little bit later in, in life. I came to Maui back in 1978 and absolutely loved the island. I fell in love and I thought, this is where I want to live, this is where I want to be. And so from 1978 until 2008, I finally came alive with the dream and bought the Maui Sunseeker because I realized that this would be the next step in my life and um, thought that this would be an ideal situation because I could do something that, that was my own business rather than making money for other people. It's important to have a place where, you know, you can feel comfortable about yourself, you can feel loved, and you can feel welcomed by everybody. And I think that that's the ambiance that we try to create. And, and that's the message that, that we try to deliver in all of our ads and trying to bring people to Maui, is that, you know, we're not just an experience on Maui, we're an experience of Maui. When you think back years ago, how closeted we used to be, and you think about how suppressed we were back then to how open and accepting we are now. And, and it's, it's a good progression for society. It's good that people are, are not just you know, tolerating, but appreciating diversity. And that's the message, is that we really need to make sure that, that people appreciate diversity. I think that whoever you are, follow your passion. Follow what you believe in. Follow whether it leads you down the path of art or whether it leads you down a path of business or you know some other aspect of 
internet creativity. Um, follow that and, and just be passionate about what you do. Spotlight on Success and Achievement is brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. Hello, everybody. We are back. We had to, you know, take a pause for the cause, as they say, and pay some bills out there. But I'm so glad that you uh, made it through our first uh, half hour in our segment with our guest, Stephen uh, Cord, who is the director and the screenwriter for his new film called Don't Marry a Griff, which will be available on November 18th. All you have to do is go to www.coloroflove.productions.com and you can find the film Don't Marry Griff there. Very good. And it's not very long, ladies and gentlemen. It's an hour film, so you can definitely go through. But it does, of course, you know, broach that whole subject that we see all the time, the finding the rom the romance in, in your love in this person that probably is not good for you. That's what this film's about. But anyway, so look for that, and I recommend it. It's really good, and it, um, it was an easy watch. I really liked it a lot. So, But we are going to be moving on right now to it to an area of music that I love, and I think a lot of people out there... Um, I don't know, hip-hop to me seems to be kind of misunderstood by so many people. And um, and it's really neat because um, I have a queer rapper that um, on the line that is, to me and to many other people, kind of the one who kind of started what we are calling now homo-hop, honey, with um, so many other people, you know, like Coswell and Big Dipper, uh, now Devmo, which is going to be on the show in a couple weeks. Um, so, I mean, this person's on the forefront of all of that, and so it's really a great pleasure for me to have Q-Boy on the line. How are you? I'm fine. Oh, uh, oh, really? I'm really glad that we worked out all this kind of phone stuff because, honey, Q-Boy's in London right now, and um, so we're talking uh, via the Walters. Over the Walters we are, and so it's great to have you um, as well, and I know that you you know, just dropped um, a new project, and we're going to talk about all of that kind of good stuff, and um, so, you know, the intro that I gave you, I know it's kind of like, what? what's going on here? But you are. You're, you're one of those guys that you know, was one of the first, you know, uh, you know, gay rappers out there, you know, making it all happen and kind of paved the way for some of these people. I, I, am I simplifying it a little bit or am I on point? There, 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 there was certainly um, a, a, a few artists before me. If you um, catch the documentary Pick Up the Mic, mm -hmm. which was uh, directed by Alex Vinton, that really follows the very uh, beginnings of, queers in hip-hop um, in terms of actually producing and performing, making uh, songs. And I'm part of that film, but I, and I was certainly the first UK-British uh, queer hip-hop artist. But there were, you know, there were, there were some before me. The first group, I think, is Rainbow Flavor, which, mm -hmm. which was in 1997 in the Oakland area. And then that, that sort of split off into several groups, one of them being a... Um, uh, BQE uh, with Dutch Boy and also um, Deep Dick Collective. So the, there, there were and there has been, you know, a, quite a few since the late 90s. 
that were sort of pushing the boundaries because back then we were not doing it because we thought, oh, we can we can succeed in this in terms of mainstream success, in terms of being, you know, like a, a music artist that, mm-hmm. that's going to make lots of money. We were just doing it because it's what we love and it's what we were, you know? Mm-hmm. We wanted to perform, we wanted to make music, and we were all part of this culture called hip-hop and, and were in love with it. So it was just kind of a very organic process for us. But obviously, hip-hop has changed very much over the years. Pop music and, and, and mainstream has changed a lot over the years, and the two kind of merge. Now. Yeah, so, yeah. The, and it's a lot, I think it's probably a little bit easier for the new generation to be seen and heard. Right. Uh, well, and, and, and thanks to people like you. Like, you know, that's the, the whole thing. Thanks to people like you. And also, we have, we have evolved a lot in the world as far as accept, and we've got a lot of room to go, but in acceptance of. Um, you know, uh, queer life and who queer people are and what we do. And I think what's really great about listening to what you rap about, um, you rap about the same thing that a, uh, a heterosexual rapper would write, would rap about. Um, but it's just from your personal experience. And that used to be so difficult for people to see. If you were going to be talking about somebody you were jonesing over, of course it's going to be referenced by, you know, your experience, right? And But some people used to have a hard yeah. time with, like, cause like, you talking about the physical part of your male counterpart you may be interested in versus, but they were totally okay for a a male rapper to talk about his female girl part, you know, and all that kind of good stuff. So I'm glad that we kind of got to a point where it's a little easier for those things to not only get out there for people to hear, but we're seeing it, you know, videos are being seen. You people, None of that's being banned, so to speak. So that's really good. But you are part of those early beginnings for people who are now coming up, like my daughter's generation, who's like, you know, this, this is secondhand. That's a big deal. We could care less, you know, that, you know, it's a queer person. So, you know, it's kind of cool. It's good, it's good in one way that, that people could care less, but it's also, like, uh, it's also good to acknowledge, not just in this, in this, particular case but obviously in many cases mm-hmm. that people did have to push and strive and go against the grain in order to get the luxury of not really caring mm-hmm. uh, and, and people can say to me why are you like what do you like the term gay rapper and i don't particularly like the word gay in between in before what i do as a job because mm-hmm. i would if I, I always used to say if i was a baker i wouldn't be a gay baker i'd just be a baker but the difference with hip-hop is that you are always telling a story about your personal viewpoint about things. Mm-hmm. So it's really difficult for my sexuality not to color uh, or have any influence over about right. over the music I make, the words that I'm saying and, and, and lyrics that I'm writing. Right. So and and, 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 and I, like, I like your explanation on that and, and, and how you define that because um, that is so true. And I mean, I, I have similar feelings about, you know, what I do and, and how those introductions sometimes come up with that. And it's like, well, what you're talking about about me has, no, you know, my sexuality has nothing to do with it. However, in instance, yeah. when my my experiences in my life and how I how I color what I'm putting out there based on what I've experienced. And yeah, I can I see that because then it at least gives the audience um uh, a, a point to start from before they even see the work because they, you know what I'm saying? Instead of being like, whoa, whoa, what was this? I wasn't ready for it. You know, that type of thing, I guess, that may be the best way to say it. But yeah, you just... Re- I, I, <laughs> Go ahead. So, 
forgive me. Oh, no, no. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to add, I, I also remember when I first started recording that I was really heavily influenced at that moment in the late 90s, early 2000s by a lot of the rappers that I was listening to, people like Foxy Brown and Little Kim yeah. uh, and Biggie, Tupac and Snoop Dogg. And I recognized that they all spoke explicitly about their sexual lives. And I just thought, um, well, if I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be out, and I'm going to be queer as a hip-hop artist, then I'm going to write the same sorts of songs and talk about the same sorts of subjects that they are. Mm -hmm. Because it seemed quite important at that time, at that time, because we just came out of the gangster rap-influenced 90s era of hip-hop, which did contain, and still does, contain quite a lot of negative elements, one of those being homophobia. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it really felt relevant to be a gay rapper in 2001 mm -hmm. because I was against the backdrop of what was perceived to be the homophobia of hip-hop. But now we've moved on, you know, 15 years, and hip-hop has become pop music, and it's, the gangster element has certainly been softened and lessened, and it has broadened out. And, you know, people like Black Eyed Peas and Kanye West uh, who have made very massive uh, mainstream pop songs in in hip hop, and then obviously people like Missy Elliott and Beyonce, that has all become it stopped becoming hip hop in a way, and it's just pop music. Yeah, and, and people don't sort of differentiate the difference, and so there seems to be less need for a gay rapper to exist. You know, you just you're an artist and you make the music you make, and whether you're queer or lesbian or gay or trans or whatever, you know. That you that you that you that you deem yourself to be, it doesn't seem as relevant anymore because you don't have anything to fight against. Because hip hop doesn't seem like this big macho bravado, uh, homophobic sort of uh, machine. It's uh, it's a, it's a, it's a lot more welcoming and it's, and it's a lot more softer. So well, I, I always get the, the the idea that being a queer rapper just seems bizarre to the new generation. They don't understand why why are you a queer rapper? Why are you not just a hip hop artist? Right. And I always have to explain in the day. Hip hop was a very different, you know, monster, and 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 it was kind of like making a point, and and, and right. it was needed. It was a political move. Well, and I and I think from a you know again, like you said, it's 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 popular music now. I mean, that's you know that's what pop music really is. That so many people, you know, it, it's really not a genre. Well, I don't know, it's just a genre. It's really what is popular right now. That's what pop music is, and that's what's popular. And you know, break it down to dollars and cents. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of gay dollars or queer dollars out there who are buying pop uh, music. That includes, you know, hip hop, and therefore, if you want these people to also buy concert tickets, there's got to be some inclusion somewhere because for the artist, that's you know, you're an artist, you know, that's where the money is. Is like when you're when you're performing, you got to sell them tickets, and you can't be leaving people out who generally love listening to the music. But I'm not gonna if I don't feel welcome to go to your concert because I I feel homophobia or whatever's going on there, then then the artist loses out on that. You know, yeah. I think that's one way to kind of look at it. We're going to take a quick break, if you don't mind, uh, Q-Boy, so that I can pay a few bills and make sure that my producer gets his check, okay? I'm ready and everything. <laughs> we'll make sure that's okay. And we're going to come back, and I want to delve more into your EP that you just released and the lead single off of that. So um, we're going to be right back with Q-Boy after these brief messages.
You're listening to the Progressive Voices Channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say, I do. Especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care serving your community. Okay, we're back, everybody. So glad that you stayed with us. I know you're hearing some grooves in the background. That's my boy, Q-Boy. And there's a little, little preview going on of his uh, new EP that he just dropped on October 28th, I do believe is the date, um, called Q-In, Q-I-N-G. And it is kind of, it kind of takes you through it a little bit. And we're going to talk about that with Q-Boy. Um, I love the kind of the, the mixture and the vibe that goes on in this. I mean, you kind of go from back from the 90s roots all the way to present time. I like that. Thank you. Well, I'm an old boy. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey. Can I just say, the album is called King. Oh, King. As if it was K. Oh. Just the K has been replaced with a Q. Okay. Well, then that's... I, I didn't even I say that I didn't read my information. Like, no. <laughs> if, you saw, if you saw the album cover, you would see the um, the design is uh, me as a king of uh, hearts or whatever, like a deck of cards. There's a uh, card theme. I got gotcha. you. The, the... And the Q kind of represents the queer part of things, right? Is that what the white yeah, replaces? Really. There you go. So I should I should have thought about boy. That was uh, used by the bullies at school when they used to bully me. Okay. And that's where I took the Q-Boy from. And obviously, um, I didn't want to be super arrogant and, and claim to be the king of uh, all queer hip-hop. But certainly, I feel like the fact that I've put in 15 years and how much work I've done and the sort of influence that I've had and over the past 15 years from the things that I've done, I do feel uh, like a king in some ways. But I, I wanted to... You know, I'm a special kind of king, so you know, we, we need to the Q rather than the K there. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it's all about. I love all this marketing stuff. I love it. It's, it's beautiful, and I and I love that you're you're doing. It. So tell me about like how long did it ta- how long of a process. Uh, did it take out in writing these songs for the EP? Because, um, and I, I also as a writer as well and, and a singer, um, that I know when you're doing uh, music that is extremely personal, and most people are doing music that's personal, but um, and this where, where, I don't know, the lyrics are, are definitely the prominent part of the song versus, you know, with some pop music, 
the lyrics aren't necessarily the prominent part of the song, but in, in rap music it is, in hip-hop it is. So what is it, how long does it take you to t- put together like an EP of six, seven songs where you know everything is so personal and you know that they're listening to every you know everything you're spitting out there? They're listening to that. How long does it take you to do that? Well, this particular project took just under five years, but it's not because of the amount of time it took me to write the songs. Uh, when I started in 2011, well, I wanted to start in 2011, but I had a lot of personal issues. There's so many things that I went through uh, at that time that mm-hmm. I kind of almost had a breakdown, and I was really at um, rock bottom on many, with many areas of my life. And this project was really me trying to get back on the horse, getting back up to speed, getting back up to the person that I was. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's taken a little longer because I had to get over the personal issues I had and, and get work through that. But also money. Mm-hmm. You know, I live in I live in London. I DJ. I, I do what I can. But it costs lots of money to to produce songs and videos and all of this stuff. And frankly, I don't have money like or I haven't had money like constantly to just thrift away on a music project. I still have to live and pay rent like the rest of us. So mm-hmm. it just takes some time, and you have to be really patient to not just get the creative influence uh, to be able to write the songs and then make the, and make the music, but even once you've made the songs, sometimes they sit there for a year or two before you then change them a bit and then you start working on the video's ideas and then that might take another six months. Like it just, it is just how it is with music or any creative process. It takes a lot of time and a lot of money and you have to be patient and you have to be resilient and you have to just keep focusing and, and get, get it done. And I feel really happy that I've, managed to do this because it's a visual EP so yeah. it's not just five songs it's five videos which and each video is like a project in itself you right. know like when you're when you mind in everything which I am you know I am the agent and the manager and the label and the artist and the producer and the writer I pretty much oversee and do nearly everything and then pull people in you know directors and, uh, and photographers to help me do, achieve what I want so having to to, to sort of control and mastermind the entire five video project has been hard work but i'm really happy that i managed to achieve it and for me like i said it's a personal journey so i've got back on the horse and i'm now riding there you go and that's really and kind of the environment you know speaking about you know where you where you are in music and how we produce music now which is so different speaking 15 years ago so different now than it was then and they're you know, independent artists now, to me, it just seems like, wow, every, it seems like everybody's independent these days. The freedom of to do, regardless of how long it may take, just the, the liberty and the freedom that you have to, to put the vision in your head actually is what comes out, as opposed to working with a label or somebody who controls what actually makes it even though it came out of your head, it's like, that's not exactly what I was going for, you know, but that's what the label wants to do. Now all this great creativity is yours and you can own it and you can say, I'm proud of it and I'm happy for it, you know, regardless of success or, or how successful it is. It's, it's something that's a part of you that you can really, yeah, you, uh, you dotted the I, you crossed the T, you okayed that, you didn't okay, you know, you, you were a part of every step. I, I think that I, I, I'm definitely a bit of a control freak, and I certainly am pretty skilled in a lot of in a lot of areas. So I never I get bored if I just do one thing. So I mm-hmm. kind of like to have my fingers in all the pies. But 
you have to remember when I first started recording, this was like 2000, 2001, there was no record label and there was no music agency. There was no one that was ever going to hire or sign or take seriously a queer hip hop artist at that time. Mm-hmm. It was just not going to happen. And I totally understood that. So I just took it upon myself to go, you know, don't worry about the fact that, that I'm not going to have any financial or, or, or proper support or help in this. I'm just going to do it because it's what I want to do. And I'm going to learn what I need to learn and work it out myself. There and that's go. kind of like how I, and I really haven't had too much uh, of a different experience. Whereas I see now a lot of new artists who are still independent, but they are signed to agencies or they do have managers and that, you know, so things have changed and things have progressed in terms of queer artists, outwardly queer artists, whether they're in hip hop or not, are certainly being taken seriously and, and, and being supported by the necessary uh, uh, the, uh, uh, managers, agents, record labels, etc. Yeah. So that's changed. But I said, one of the reasons I did it is just because I had no option. You know, it was yeah. I do it or it doesn't or it doesn't happen, yeah. Or it doesn't happen. Um, well, let's talk about real brief because I do want to uh, end our show with playing uh, the lead single from the EP called "Show Me Your Deck." And, um, <laughs> honey, <laughs> honey, you, <laughs> you was working it in this okay video, and I, I'm, I'm kind of glad we didn't get you on Skype because I would be afraid that you'd be using the same Skype that you was using in this video. Um, that um, I've, <laughs> it was all good and cute. I loved it. I loved it, but I just loved. I don't think I've ever seen an artist be. Um, um, I don't even know what to say. I really don't. But, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to watch this video. On, on and it is on YouTube. It is on, it's on Vivo, but it, you can see it on on YouTube as well. But it's really good. I was like, uh, he. Let me just tell you that he has a jock his butt out. He, <laughs> he grabbing things. You know what I'm saying? And telling it like it is about show. You know what we what we go through sometimes when we have to be talking to other people and say you need to show me the goods and now there's no head, no no face shot, right? <laughs> like no chest shot, honey. Show me your face. Um, but I love this. So this must have been really fun to make, though, for you. It had to be. Yeah, I think it was a really important part of. For me, it's an important part of at the moment mm-hmm. gay living. Yeah, lots of people use. Um, websites and apps like Grinder and Gaydar and Camfor, Camfor, who I was really lucky to work with on this particular project, they helped sponsor that video and help me make it. Um, but you know, our, it's not just gay and queer. It's not like the just the LGBT community that are experiencing this. Basically, since the rise and in, in change in technology, right. a lot of people are now communicating. Uh, and, and and their sexuality is, is is sort of woven into their technology and they are communicating through WhatsApp and, and uh, Tinder and all sorts of things and sending pics to one another. And the, so this song overall is, you know, an appreciation of men's bulges, but it's also just a reflection of how technology is enhancing our sex lives and how we're using it in our sex lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I think most people, whether they're gay or straight or whatever they align themselves to, will understand. Hey, and, they've got a mobile phone. 
And, and I like it, but I also was like, but it's ruining the bar life. Because, you know, I, you and I probably grew up in that same time frame. It's like, I used to love, you know, that's what you, the bars were for. Now bars are not used for pickups and all of that kind of good stuff. I kind of miss that. I think it's not just in, I think it's not just you that misses it. I, I've spoken to a lot of people from the younger generation and it almost feels like they do not have the social um, skills right. that you would learn if you were in a physical place talking to people that we, you and I have from an older generation. Mm -hmm. And I think that they are, you know, unhappy about the fact that they don't know how to, they certainly know how to talk on Facebook and on Twitter and on Grindr and whatever, but you stick them in a the room with a real person and they, they, they you know, right. they just haven't got a clue what they're doing. Like, yeah. It's really sad. I think it's extremely sad, and it and it kind of when you look even beyond that, and you think about the future of our youth, and you know where is their place, and how they're going to grasp power, and you think you know it's got to deal regardless if we have machines or not. To this time, we are still going to deal with human beings, and you've got to learn how to communicate with those people. And you know, I don't know, so it's kind of uh, well. I've been, you know, unfortunately, I'm running out of time, and I have enjoyed every second speaking with you. And I'm going to continue to follow your work, and I'm going to continue to hopefully have you um, utilize my vessel here, the radio show, to put whatever message you wanted to, to to out there for the people and let them know that your work is available. So thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Really great, and I enjoyed it just as much. Okay, well, we're going to end the show with that with the song that we've been talking about here at the end called "Show Me Your Deck." And ladies and gentlemen, you've got to watch the video again. It's on Vivo, or you can also pick it up on YouTube. But this is by Cube Boy. Thank you so much again, and we will talk to you, ladies and gentlemen, next week here on It's Everything. Bye bye now. Show me, show me, show me, show me, show me a deck deck. I wanna see a card. Show me a deck deck. I wanna see it hard. Reveal your hand to me, play or pass. Reveal your hand to me, spades or hearts. Show me yours and I'll show you mine. Show me yours and I'll show you mine. I prefer versatile, not top, not back. Versatile, go versatile, go versatile. Switch that thing and reverse a while. Selfish queens won't get jacked with no ace in the hole. They gotta go block that. Hey, we're a match. Scruff, scruff, don't lie. Please, please attach when you reply. You can send pics, I accept bits. You, you, you can send pics, I accept bits. No chest pics, please. I wanna see your face then. Send, 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 send me your location. Play your cards right, right tonight. You can jack, jack, jack this king off right. Show me your deck, deck, show me your deck Show me your deck, deck, show me your deck Cause your pack's real cute in that loose tracksuit And if you send me a pic, I'll be all on you Show me your deck, deck, show me your deck Show me your deck, deck, show me your deck Cause I wanna see that bulge bow, 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 Uncut, I'm thick, thick, 
uncut and thick Send it Hornet, Grinder, Romeo Send it Gator, Dude Snoots, Romeo WhatsApp it, IMDM Snap, Snapchat it, IGPM You're in Speedos, I'm in a trance Those sweatpants make me sweat and pant Love seeing in those grey trackies Call me, call me Pharrell, I'm happy Show me how you bounce, bounce, bounce with it Bounce, 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 bounce with it Show me that you're willing and able And lay all your cards out on the table Will you lose or will you win? Will, will your hand beat, beat, beat my king? Place all your bets, cows floating by Place all your bets, the stakes are high All bets are off, all bets are off I win 